0: Hey everyone, welcome to Her Best Dad Ever. I'm Hector. I'm Marque. And we're just two girl dads on a journey trying to be the best fathers we can be to our growing daughters. So
1: these are real honest conversations of us sharing life, telling stories, and seeking wisdom from girl dads who've been at it for longer than we have. Here's to learning.
0: And here's to growing.
1: Here's to becoming Her Best Dad Ever.
0: If you want to continue following us, find us on social media. Our handle's HerBestDadEver. And you can also find us on our website, www.HerBestDadEver.com.
1: Hey friends, thank you for joining us today. Today we have a special episode for you. As we end season one of the podcast today, we thought it would be fun and amazing to go back and play some of the highlighted moments with our guests to help us celebrate today. So thank you for joining us. We hope you feel encouraged by what you hear today. Hector, take it away.
0: Her best dad ever today is the one and only John Williams. Say what's up, John.
2: Hey everyone. Thank you so much for inviting me on your podcast. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. What was
0: the what was the lesson that took you the longest to learn as a parent?
2: I I still think I'm learning that lesson that 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 your kids will not grow up to be the image that you have in your head. Mm. And mm. And if you hold on to that image, as a parent, you're going to be frustrated and you're going to frustrate your kids too. And Mm. I think the ultimate frustration, potential frustration with that is that that your kids don't want to be around you. And, And that was a big fear of mine. You know, when I was raising my kids, it's like, when they become adults, I want them to... They don't have to be around me all the time for sure. And they have to have, and, and I want them to have their own life, but the times that they are around me, I want them to enjoy that time. Cause, cause I, I know people who, you know, their parents come around, they're ready to leave. Mm-hmm. You know? They don't want anything to do with their parents. They love them, but they're so different. And their parents um, fail to see that difference and still try to place them in that whatever that image was or is, they still want that kid to fall into that image and, and none of us ever will do that. So, so I think that's it. Yeah.
0: What are some things that you did your mindset of, um, you know, affirming your daughter, trying to kind of be on the offensive. I mean, yeah. who, who, what, what are some things that you did to, to, to help in that, helping build up her identity?
2: Yeah. So, so I, so what Tina and I did, I mean, a, another part of that was, um, uh, Tina had, so both of us can be a, uh, obsessive compulsive people. So she had her stay home from school, and and they watch Roots together and just kind of break down the history of slavery and wow, the history of the word race and 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 and, and the N word and all of that. How stuff. old was your daughter when that happened? She's in middle school, dude. Okay. Wow. <laughs> hey,
0: that's props you. Guys.
2: The poor kid,
0: <laughs>
1: man. And roots is heavy, like that's not no, you know, like
2: man. Wow. <laughs> so, so, so we did that, and then, and then, throughout their childhood, I mean, you know, and um, just making sure that that their dignity is affirmed, that being black isn't a mark on you, um, no matter what the world says, and despite all of that, because of how this this country is socialized around race. Your kids still get it. We still get it. We still fight through, yeah, yeah. you know, our own issues of race, you know, mm-hmm. and injustices that happen to us. And so, mm-hmm. um, so that one's an, a, really an ongoing, an ongoing conversation, and you know, an ongoing challenge. Yeah,
1: yeah, because it, it it's so deep, man, and it just really just blows my mind when. I have conversations with my six-year-old daughter. You know, like even down to the idea of good hair versus
2: bad hair. Oh my gosh! Yeah. You
1: know, like oh my god. You know, like yes. and me yes. have to teach her that there's no such thing as bad hair. All hair is good hair. You know, like oh my gosh. It's been such a challenge to navigate in this season, man. Um.
0: Man, I don't know if you <laughs> face this too, Marque. Like even with having multiple girls, like me like we have that comparison in our own house like just today Mm. you know sarai was asking about you know my wife jessica about you know why why joelle's curls are bigger than than hers and Mm. why eden's curls are smaller than hers and you know and me me and my wife are really you know we're we're trying to stay up on it and we're trying to to affirm that so so my wife you know did a really good job of of navigating that situation but but yeah it's it's all over the place but John, you'll you'll appreciate this. Something that when we heard it, me and Jessica looked at each other and we kind of nodded. We're like, okay, I feel like we're doing something right. um There was this show, uh, oh, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Charlie Brown Christmas. It's an old show, you know. And they are watching it, and uh, and uh, like halfway through it, Sarai turns around, looks at mom, she goes, "Mom, why are all the kids the same color? Mm-hmm. Like, where where are the black people? Where are the brown people?" <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we didn't have like a solid answer for it. We just said, you know, it's, it's, it's an older movie and you're right. There should be, there should be more, but me and Jessica were thinking like, that's, you know, I'm, I'm glad even at five years old that they're, you know, recognizing that, you know? So, yeah, um, no, that's good. That's really good. Uh, you're an inspiration, John. Um, yeah. seriously, you, you really are. What would, what would you say to, um, the young John as a father, you know, you're, what, what would you say to the John who just, you know, is, is getting ready to have his first, his first daughter?
2: Oh man, take a deep breath, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> play, play, play the long game. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I think those are two things. The third thing is pick your battles. Um, I think mm-hmm. at times when, when my kids were younger, you know, I think I majored in the minors and minored in the majors on some things. And mm-hmm. so, um, and, and so, so- Can you give an example? Yeah. Um, so even, let's let's go back to issues of race. So, so the things that I know about now in terms of how all of us are socialized around issues of race and how white is normal. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, I, I was raised, you know, you raise your kids- to be quote-unquote dignified, you raise them to be respectable. Yeah. Uh, I think what I would teach my younger self is redefine what respectable is. Mm. And so, because I was really raising my kids in some, in some seasons to be white or white adjacent.
3: Mm, wow. And so,
2: and, so um, and that's impacted them. You know, my, my daughter and I have a lot of conversations around that now about just the pressure that we put on her to behave a certain way that wasn't her natural self, but it was trying to be some ridiculous image that I had in my head or my wife had in her head about Mm. what a good kid was. And, you know, and it was all about things that we've seen on television or just socialized through, you know, just through time about, you know, um, yeah, the more your kids are white, you know, acting, sounding, Sure. um, and, and and there's a pressure with that because you want them to get jobs, you want them to get right. you know, you don't want
0: them to make waves, you want them to fit in, yeah. right? Yep, right. But but in teaching
2: them to not make waves, I think sometimes our kids then don't speak up when they should right. Right. when there's racial injustice occurring, right. mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. and so that's what I would tell my younger self is. Um, figure out who a little bit more, who you are racially and, and raise your kids
0: to not be white. Wow. Dave Hollis, the one and only
1: Dave, let me ask you this for, for some of our listeners that might be considering adoption.
3: Well, what's some, what are some tips that you can give them? Well, the first thing I would uh, say tip wise is to find someone that, you know, who has gone through the adoption journey and have them give you every single bit of information that you can possibly get from them on what their experience was like. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I will say I've, in the Rise Together podcast that I host, there is an episode where Rachel and I last year have a conversation very frank about both the foster and adoption process that we went through. Okay. Uh, in the book that I, <laughs> that I had come out earlier this uh, year, I guess last year, uh, there's a whole chapter about this journey But find resources from people who've gone through these experiences so that you go in eyes wide open. Um, Because it is, adoption is the most beautiful thing, one of the most beautiful things in my life. It has created one of the most beautiful things in my life. I am forever, for the rest of my life, going to be an advocate for foster care, in part because of the story that I am in the midst of telling not having a happy ending. Because Mm. there are inherently things inside of the foster system that you just have to go in eyes wide open understanding. Mm. Uh, One of the most important questions that was asked as we were going through our training to qualify our home to foster or qualify our home for adoption Mm -hmm. was uh, understanding how your strengths can meet the needs of the children. Right. Any mm. kid going to have needs and those needs are going to vary based on the circumstances from which they come. Right. Sure. And so, right. Um, you know, like at a base level, all of the uh, any child who's coming out of care is going to have needs. Right. Yep. And your job as a as a parent inside of the foster relationship is not to fill the, the, the crater that has been created by trauma. Your job is to hold the hand of this person who is walking through the crater oh, until yeah. they get through it into the other yep. side. That's mm. beautiful. But knowing how to hold their hand is uh, really a reflection of how you are self-aware enough of what you can handle and where your strengths lie. Right. And if those strengths marry to match with the needs of the child, if the child has Drug dependency. If the child has something behaviorally, if the child has it, whatever it might be, yeah. Having those conversations with people who've been through the process and can articulate for you, this is how those needs will present. Do you, with a certain, with the specific set of yeah. circumstances that you currently find yourself in, do you have other kids? Do you have help? Yeah, do right. you have an ability? If the, you know, like uh, the one of the first placements we had in foster care she had some serious medical stuff that required a lot of doctor's visits. And so understanding like, oh, okay, this is going to require one of us to take time off of work at least once a week to go and see specialists. I mean, I give so much credit to the Walt Disney company for allowing me to immediately put a foster child onto my insurance so that I could actually wow get some additional specialists to dive into some of the things that were happening with the permission of the bio parents but it was it was important for me like hey if i have an ability because of some access that has been afforded through the job that i have to write yep. some of or diagnose some of the things that is that are happening inside of this child's life why wouldn't i i mean like man yeah. You might only be here for a short time. So knowing how that's your strengths match to the needs of the kid, that's, that's, that's a so good one. And then truly, like the adoption process is something that takes time. So hmm. really managing your expectation for how long it will take once you make the decision to start the journey. Sure. It takes a lot of paperwork. Okay. It, it can, if you decide to go through private adoption, require an attorney, yeah. which comes with cost. It's a process. So Right. So depending on the route you decide to take, finding someone who's gone through each of those routes and can describe a little bit of what each of them come with, um, just so that you're not surprised, because if there was anything, um, the biggest benefit for having been in community with people who were who had previously adopted They help manage expectations, right? Mm -hmm. They help really set, like, hey, if you think it's gonna take, it's like almost like construction. If the contractor tells you it's gonna take 12 months, it's gonna take 24. If the contractor says it's gonna gonna cost $10,000, it's gonna cost 20, right? And so the more that I had someone to just normalize, oh, this is the way that it works, gosh, it was just so helpful. Oh,
0: that's good.
1: There is a side of me that is so interested in adoption. But if I be honest, there's a fear there. Based on idea, I have two biological daughters, right? And me not loving the adopted daughter as much as I love my biological daughters. Was there a fear there? Like as you kind of went journeyed that?
3: Yeah. So I I I came in with two big fears that have been proven wildly wasted energy, and and the first was this Mm. fear that oh, I have a genetic bond, I have. Right, but, right. But look, I can see myself in my sons in some way, or I can see my wife, my Rachel in then in, in their faces in some way. And that if I can't see that in this other child, that I won't feel connected. Uh, fundamentally untrue. It, it just mm-hmm. like
1: categorically
3: mm-hmm. untrue. And and as much as I have to be careful saying this out loud, my kids are not here, they're at Rachel's tonight, but I actually think in some ways, the journey, the work, the Ethiopia foster to adopt, the slamming a hand on a table, private adoption experience, in some ways, getting to the end when I'm holding this baby, Mm. the work, Mm. the toil, the decision to keep getting back up, actually created a stronger bond at the beginning Wow. Than I actually had with my sons at the beginning, yes. wow. because I I don't know if you guys can relate, but like for me as, as a dad, until my kids were more than inanimate poop machines, I, I, had, a, <laughs> a, I had a little bit of trouble connecting. Right? Like if I smile and I don't get a smile back, yeah, uh, it, what's registering? Is this working? Is this thing on? Right, but with her. <laughs> Because there, the, she had been a part of my life for four years. Mm. I and mean, she wasn't even you know, born yet, but she'd been a part of my life for four years because we were thinking about it and doing the work and the 72 hours of classes we had to take and mm. all this stuff, right? And so in, in a lot of ways, that journey created a bond that was a thing that I could have connect to and attach to faster than my biological kids. The second thing that I was afraid of And, and that I actually opted originally, I was like an advocate originally against was the idea of an open adoption.
0: Okay. Mm. Okay. Okay. I,
3: I had a a story in my head that if we were to maintain a relationship with the biological mother of this child, that is ours, that Mm. somehow, right, the the mother could change her mind or somehow our daughter might choose to want to reconnect with or love this person that we keep in our life in a way that compromises yeah. our, 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 our bond or our love yeah. and maintaining a relationship with Noah's first mama has been one of the most beautiful things, period. Wow. She was at her first birthday party. We have an ability because of this relationship to see pictures biological siblings that Noah has, which is like looking in a time machine. I mean, it's That's unbelievable amazing. because she has uh, a sibling that is not terribly older than her. So you get to see just a little bit of a glimpse into the future. Also wow. going to be an ability for my daughter to answer her questions of identity. Right. Her, her biological father is African-American. Her Mm. mother is Polynesian, right? Like Mm. she is going to be able to answer the questions of who she is and where she came from in a way that is, that would be fundamentally different if it Mm. wasn't something that was left open. And so um, there's beauty in that, Uh, you know, like I, I still, I with the first mama, you know, all the time just to, Hey, how you doing? What's going on? How's, how's life? What's, you know, and we have, a, we just have a rad relationship and it's it's our lives are richer and her life will be wildly richer because yeah. of it and i was
0: afraid of it. wow dang dave that's beautiful bro everybody would you welcome ariel Historia? yes to the podcast thank you what's up ariel hey 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 thanks for
4: having me
1: <laughs> So, Ari, can you tell us a little bit about your dad um from when you were growing up mm-hmm
4: yeah, so I actually looked like spitting image to my dad until I was like twelve years old, which did a lot for a preteen self-esteem to look like an ex-football player. um, but at the same time, I felt you know, very connected to him at and all the senses. And um, I mean, my dad is a father of mostly girls. He didn't get the boy till much, much later. So mm-hmm. I mean, my, well some of my biggest memories were like the confrontation of like why you cannot read your daughter's journal here are all the reasons why this is an off-limits territory and all the girls ganging up on him. And then my second memory is, you know, us starting our our womanlies and our menstrual cycles. And so eventually we all started getting synced up and we were like, dad has to go to the store. So my dad goes to the store for pads and he comes back and he goes, you need pads. You need pads. And he just start throwing them <laughs> across the room. And we were like, yes. what? mind you, we're all on it at that time. So n- the drama is heightened at that point. Oh, we my were gosh. Like, what are you doing? And he just thought it was the funniest thing ever. And I, I, to this day, I was like, I will remember that for the rest of my life. Like, in terms of who is your father's father... As a father it's that it's you get a pad and you get it and wings and he's like <laughs> listing them and he just tossing them across the room and so it was a lot of coaching yeah kind of coaching this man who has all brothers how to raise mm. four daughters and I mean my dad is a big dude but he is a teddy bear um yeah. he has always been the gentlest and um, the feel, he's such a feeler. Um, and yeah, I mean, we were the daughters who were like, Boys wouldn't date us because they're like, "Oh, that's your your dad is poor. Your dad's hecka big, you know. (laughs) Your dad's hecka big, and so he's always the big dude." But it's like once you actually got to know him, you know, our friends were always at our house. Like my parents were those parents that our friends would be our friends just so they could be friends with our parents. Um, Nice. And yeah, I think those were the those are probably the biggest
0: memories. In one word, how would you describe your relationship with your dad today?
4: Um, I would say evolving again, we're like in that adult mm. space of like i'm I'm married now, um mm. that was its own <laughs> that oh, was yeah. its own journey, and yes. um, and so, yeah, I think evolved is a is a good is my dad calls just to like say what's up now and it feels very different or to check mm. in with John, you know, and it just it just feels very different. So um yeah, I would say okay, in can this I, sense so, so, so pause. Well,
1: can yes. I ask a question about yes. that, Hector? Yes. Sure. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, do it, do it. Tell us about that moment. You know, we you mentioned, you know, your 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 marriage and uh the wedding and all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, the the day that all of us girl dads <laughs> look to <laughs> is Mm -hmm. giving our daughters away Mm -hmm. yeah tell me about that like
0: listen i've like i've like i've like started crying like i'm 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 like an emotional person i've like started crying just like dancing with with eden Eden in the living room
3: tears
4: know that it will be um i mean if it's i mean it's a full on grieving process to be completely candid mm. i grieved um mm. my parents grieved and also mm. we got married in a pandemic so it wasn't what we intended what you'd and dreamed. it probably yeah. wasn't what my parents intended you know like wow. um and and so we had a very unique situation um and i think ultimately i would say you can have it an idea of what you think it will look like and who you think they will look like whoever they is whoever the spouses and um, that come into your family um, you will have an idea of what they look like. Um, but again, it's like this trusting of who you raised. Um, mm-hmm. and and this trusting of the person that you you built up and raised to go. Um, and it was hard. I it was grieving for all of us. I'm the oldest. So this is the first time we've oh, done this. Wow. Um It was in a pandemic at the same year my sister was graduating from her master's. My other sister was having a baby. Like my poor dad was just, (laughs) just grieving and, and lamenting left and right. So it is a grieving process. It is an untethering process. So though it is beautiful, it is, I mean, I've stepped out, um, and into, you know, now my, my husband and I are a family. And so yeah. it is its own process. Um, but I, I mean, there is nothing like being, I walked my, both my parents walked me down, um, mm. because I wanted both of them too. And and my dad gave us a prayer and put his big old hand on John's shoulder and gave him a bracelet. <laughs> and it was just, I mean, we had gone, we had to go through a lot of healing to get to that point. Um, but It was an untethering, you know, it was a grieving, but it was also like a beautiful beginning of things as well. Not just for John and I, but then my niece came a month later and that was (laughs) a whole nother process that my dad had to go through. And so know and trust that who you raised um, and the decision she makes and and again, the listening and the learning um, and also know that um, whoever you have in your head for them may not be the person they end up with and yeah. that's okay um, and it doesn't mean that they will be any less taken care of, right? I think yeah. that was the, 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 the weight of a father is, well, I've taken care of them for this many years now, who am yeah. I now yeah. giving the permission to To then take care of them and Uh half of that will be them taking care of themselves and then other half will be them, you know, being taken care of. And um, yeah, I think that process will be a very very interesting one we're always like how are we gonna respond you know like as parents when that comes and i don't think there is a sad way to say so i don't think there is a guideline because each person and each family dynamic is so different but i do think that the common thread that is not really talked about is the untethering and the grieving that could happen yeah. with something yeah. so beautiful at the same time yeah <sighs>
0: oh my god yeah. yeah like i knew this conversation would be good <laughs> But gosh dang, I'm like over here getting all emotional and stuff.
1: Yeah, dude, I have so many notes. Like, I've been no, writing down this whole time. Oh, thank and you. And I know great. our listeners are too, because this is so good.
0: Thank no, you. It's great because this is the stuff we don't think about, right? You know? mm. And you know, the moment that Marque suggested that we, we do this, that was something clicked. It's like, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah,
0: yeah. Like, that's and, and and so this this is this is gold right here. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Thank I feel you. like I'm going to be a different dad mm-hmm. tomorrow. You know what I mean? Because of this conversation. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciate, I appreciate you so much. After,
1: well, I got to yeah. wait till tomorrow. You could be, a, you know, right now. You know, so tomorrow. <laughs> they I sleep.
4: Can... Uh, they sleep right <laughs> you now. You can't rest. They on that melatonin. <laughs> can sleep on it. They got that melatonin right now. <laughs> you can sleep on it for a
0: second. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen, Ariel, thank you for joining yes. us on this podcast it, this has really been a rich time and we're, we're very grateful thank you so for all of you dads out there know again that we stand with you that we see you that we're with you we want you to be strong be encouraged and continue to follow us on our journey of becoming her best dad ever you guys take it easy have a good